Welcome back to Love God and Your Neighbor, and welcome to my parents, Tom and Carol Hutchinson, who are our liturgists for today. Now, I feel tempted to say Happy Memorial Day, but that's not really appropriate, is it? Memorial Day is a time to reflect on and honor those soldiers who lost their lives while serving our country. So no matter how we feel about politics or politicians or maybe even the military, we can't help but be in awe of the fact that so many men and women over the decades have so bravely fought to keep us safe in so many different circumstances. And so before we begin this service, I would like to observe a moment of silence for these individuals who died for us. Amen. Now, as we have abbreviated our service, we've removed the time for collecting the offering. So at this time, I would like to invite you to pray to God and ask God to guide your hearts. Ask the Lord to show you what you can do to help grow the ministry of this pre precious congregation, First Christian Church. And can you pray for the church? Can you Give to the homeless food ministry that we're doing during the pandemic. Can you give of your tithes and offerings? All of these and more are important to keep the body of Christ and the ministry of First Christian Church strong. And if you want to give, you can use PayPal on our website at www.fccaniston.org. That's www.fccanniston.org. Dot org, or you can mail a check to 1327 Layton Avenue, Anniston, Alabama, 36207. And now I would like to invite you to gather your elements for communion, to light a candle, and to settle in for a time of worship and celebration of our Lord and Savior, Jesus the Christ. Let us sing together the first hymn, I will call upon the Lord, and you can find the words in your Friday Reminders email. And after that, we will be singing, You Are My All in All. Let us sing, I will call upon the Lord.
now the reading of Matthew chapter 6, verses 25 through 34. Therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? And can any of you, by worrying, add a single hour to your span of life? And why do you worry about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not clothed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which is alive today, and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, you of little faith? Therefore do not worry, saying, What will we eat, or what will we drink, or what will we wear? For it is the Gentiles who strive for, the, for all these things. And indeed your heavenly Father knows that you need all these things, but strive first for the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. So do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will bring worries of its own. Today's trouble is enough for today. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks, Thanks be, be to God. God. Let us pray. Gracious and loving God, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be pleasing in your sight, my strength and my redeemer. Well, folks, I am recording this sermon in the middle of a very dramatic thunderstorm, so it seems appropriate that thunder and lightning and pouring down rage should be happening at the same time that I'm about to preach about anxiety, right? So I hope you enjoy the irony. In my recent Zoom meeting with the church council, it was suggested that I do a sermon about anxiety. Not only did it sound like a reasonable and timely subject for our current climate, but it's an issue that I've wrestled with my whole adult life, and more so in this last month. So sure, I'll preach about anxiety, but what exactly am I going to say about anxiety? One thing that is certain is the Church Universal has not done a good job teaching about this subject. More often than not, any Christian lessons in have included some sort of overt or implied guilt trip, saying that if you're anxious, even with a diagnosed clinical disorder, then you need to pray harder. And if you do pray harder and you're still anxious, then obviously your faith is not strong enough. Well, very often you'll find verses, sometimes taken out of context, in memes or on posters that say things along the lines of, don't be anxious, just trust in God and you'll be fine. And if you confide in a fellow Christian who has not experienced the anxiety you're feeling, they might think that they're helping by throwing one of those verses at you, but really they might just be making you feel worse. And it's important to know that in many places in the Bible, a word that is often translated as anxiety can also be translated as worry or concern which to me are very different things from my experience with clinical anxiety. The thing is, anxiety from a psychological standpoint can be a complicated, jumbled mess that takes time to unravel and work through. Even though well-meaning people like to tell an anxious person to just do this or just do that to feel better, there really is no just doing anything to get through an anxiety disorder. Treating that kind of anxiety requires a support system, 
of a therapist, maybe a psychiatrist, trusted friends or family members, an exercise routine, regular prayer time, and maybe medication. And it requires time and patience and faith in God that he will see you through to the other side. More often than not, what the Bible is talking about when it says don't be anxious is the fretting and worrying that we do about everyday problems. And that is what our scripture today is talking about. It says, therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or what you drink or about your body, what you will wear. It is not is not life more than food and the body more than clothing. Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? And can any of you, by worrying, add a single hour to your span of life? And why do you worry about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not clothed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which is alive today and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, you of little faith? Therefore, do not worry, saying, what will we eat or what will we drink or what will we wear? For it is the Gentiles who strive for all these things. And indeed, your heavenly father knows that you need all these things. But strive first for the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. So do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will bring worries of its own. Today's trouble is enough for today. Well, years ago, after I first got a handle on my anxiety disorder, I was surprised to find that I still worried about things and that I still experienced fearfulness about things like impending conflict, tax day, and money problems. Even when the talk therapy and the medication and the exercise Even with all of that, I was still anxious about specific things in my life. And I thought, well, hey, this isn't supposed to happen anymore. So what I had to realize was that what all of those things were treating were chemical imbalances in my body and the bad habits that I had developed over the years to cope with the imbalance. They did not take away the realities of living in the world, did they? Because life is stressful, isn't it? And life today is more stressful for many in strange new ways than it has ever been before. We have so much more to worry about, and we can carry around so much more in our minds, can't we? Most people have concerns about bills and affording groceries, providing for yourself and your family, medical issues, work issues, interpersonal relationships, how your kids are doing in school, in friendships, and in life, and so on and so forth. And now we have a pandemic on top of all of that. Some people are better than others at turning these concerns over to God, but eventually we all run into something that consumes our thoughts, often in the middle of the night. I mean, I don't think it is a coincidence that so many people are reporting difficulty sleeping these days, do you? At least once a day I see someone post on Facebook that they haven't been sleeping and their normal sleep aids just aren't working anymore. I think maybe we're all worrying more than ever, even if we're not aware of it. Our scripture today talks specifically to people who are worrying about these daily life issues. What am I going to eat? How am I going to dress myself? Essentially, how do I provide for myself and my family? 
How do I make sure that we have the things we need to live out our lives? Well, most of us who have walked by faith for a significant amount of time can point to any number of moments in our lives when God has taken care of those details, can't we? And we can say with confidence to people who are younger in the faith, I promise God will take care of you. And we'll mean it when we say that because it is true. But it is so very easy to forget, isn't it? So what is the remedy for this kind of fretting and hand-wringing? Our text says, Strive first for the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Mike Bechtel wrote this in an article for the Discipleship Journal. He said, In some parts of my lawn, the grass is thick and green. In other areas, it's sparse and dry. There are even a few places where the grass is missing entirely. When I mow the lawn, I notice that where the grass is healthy, there are no weeds. Where the lawn is sparse, there are few. When there's no grass, the weeds flourish. Every time I notice the weedy spots, I think I really need to pull those things. So I do, but within a few weeks, they're back and I'm pulling them again. Well, one day it hit me. I don't have to pull weeds where the grass is thick. Instead of spending all of my time pulling weeds, maybe I need to invest time in making the grass as healthy as possible. The more grass I had, the fewer weeds I'd have to pull. Well, the same applies to worry, he said. Worry is like the weeds. God's peace is the grass. Instead of just focusing on eliminating my worries, I need to cultivate God's peace. I think that cultivating God's peace is another way of saying strive for the kingdom of God, which is good advice for keeping the worry train from taking over our minds. As Mike noticed in his lawn, when the grass was thick and healthy and strong, then the weeds didn't pop up. In the same way, when our relationship with God is strong, when we study the Bible on a regular basis, when we sit in God's presence daily, when we pray and listen to God often, when we worship at least weekly, then the worrisome, anxious thoughts don't pop up quite as often or quite, or quite as strongly. I will admit that since the pandemic started, my spiritual practices have wavered some, and my worrying has increased. Consequently, my anxiety has gone way up. I found myself worrying about things like interpersonal relationships and possible conflicts, money problems, church members, family members, how much our politicians are screwing up, and a hundred other things that I can't control. I find it ironic that this is the sermon that I planned to preach only a few days before I started feeling really anxious. God has a good sense of humor. Because it brings home how often preachers really are preaching to themselves as well as to, this, as to the congregation. But I think it means that I need to be striving for the kingdom of God a lot more intentionally than I have been. The People's New Testament commentary says that when Matthew says to strive first for the kingdom of God, he is talking both to the idea of the coming eschatological kingdom, which means the kingdom that will come at the end. And he's also talking to the idea of trust in the father's providential care. The command to seek first the kingdom is not intended to be a chronological command as though the disciples were free to pursue material goods after seeking the kingdom. 
but it means above all else. The disciple can have only one priority, and that is God's kingdom or God's will. We are all created beings doing our very best to get through this life. But maybe that's the problem. We're trying to do our best and not leaving room for God to do God's best, you know? Maybe instead of trying to be the best parent, the best spouse, the best employee, the best provider, the best everything, why don't we try to be the best follower of Christ, sitting at his feet and soaking in all he has to say to us? And in all that soaking, in the seeking of the kingdom, our worries will abate because we have our eyes and minds firmly set on the one who really can take care of the details. Our scripture ends with this. So do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will bring worries of its own. Today's trouble is enough for today. Well, the commentary says that in the present context, this statement has no cynical overtone, nor is it intended to discourage planning for the future. The preacher on the mount is one who knows that the sparrow will eventually fall to the ground and that trusting in God's providential care is not a strategy by which disciples can have it easy. What Jesus communicates here is the assurance that we do not live in a random universe, but in the creation of the one God. If we address each day's problems as they come, we can be confident that our lives are in the hands of a loving father who holds the whole world in his hands and will bring it to a worthy conclusion. It is so not easy to stop trying to take care of all of it. And it's even harder to stop worrying, as if the worrying has any power to help anything except our own distress and misery. But seeking God, seeking God's wisdom, seeking God's love, seeking God's forgiveness, seeking God's guidance every single day will help us keep things in perspective and will help us trust that God really does have everything in hand. So I'm going to challenge my, myself to spend more time with God every day. And I guarantee you my parents will hold me to that. And I challenge you to do the same. Let us all be better at striving for the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And let's learn from God to hand our worries over to him once and for all. Amen. Let's sing together, Trust and Obey.
One of my favorite songs to play on the violin is Feed the Birds by Mary Poppins. These are the words. Early each day to the steps of St. Paul's, the little old bird woman comes. In her own special way to the people she calls, come buy my bags full of crumbs. Come feed the little birds, show them you care, and you'll be glad if you do. Their young ones are hungry, their nests are so bare, all it takes is tuppence from you. Feed the birds, tuppence a bag, tuppence, tuppence, tuppence a bag. Feed the birds, that's what she cries, while overhead her birds fill the skies. All around the cathedral, the saints and apostles look down as she sells her wares. Although you can't see it, you know they are smiling each time someone shows that they care. A tuppence was an English coin worth one one-hundredth and twentieth of a pound, and a pound was like our dollar. In this song, a tuppence was all it took to buy a bag of bird seed to feed the hungry birds. And that little old lady took it upon herself to make sure that those birds got fed. It reminds me of our scripture today where God takes care of the birds in the air and the flowers in the fields. Like the old lady took care of those birds, God takes care of the flowers. God takes care of us. God has always taken care of us from the beginning of time. God's care took the shape of a cross, and God takes care of us in the resurrection of Jesus the Christ. Like the birds of the air and the flowers in the field and the children of God throughout history, God has cared for us by making sure we have every opportunity to make our way into eternity with God through Christ our Savior. Let us celebrate that assurance of our salvation by remembering the sacrifice made for us. On the night when the Lord was betrayed, he took the bread, blessed it, and said, This is my body, broken for you. Eat it in remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup, blessed it, and said, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. As often as you drink it, drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink of this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes again. Let us pray. God of sacrificial love, who came to us, who became one of us, and who died for us, help us to be better at leaning on you during times of difficulty. Help us to know your power and goodness in new ways, and help us to share the assurance we get from you with everyone we meet, so that others may know you, so others may believe in you, and so others may be saved by you in all ways. In your holy name, amen. I invite you now to take of the bread the body of Christ broken for you. And I invite you to drink of the cup, the cup of the new covenant. Let us sing hymn number 354, Seek Ye First.
Please join me in the Litany of Remembrance. You can find it in the information about the podcast. By partaking in this meal, we remember that Christ was born. Christ died. Christ was raised. Christ will come again. This is the mystery of our faith. Thanks be to God. Amen. Let us pray. Gracious and loving God, please be with each person listening today. First, let them know without a shadow of a doubt that you are there. Help them to feel your presence and then assure them that they are safe in your care. If they need medical attention for anxiety or depression, please lead them to those who can help. And if the source of their anxiety is worry about the details of life, Teach them to lean on your everlasting arms for each thing every day. Fill them with trust that all is well, that you have everything in hand. You are our strength when we are weak, and we love you with everything that we are. Amen. And now let's sing Leaning on the Everlasting Arms, hymn number 560. (laughs) 